Welcome to the study of God's Word with pastor and author Ed Taylor, recorded live at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media or to tune into our live stream services, visit us online at calvaryco.church or download our free Calvary Church app. Now here's Pastor Ed to take us into our study. Amen. Amen. Take your Bibles, open them to 1 Peter chapter 5, servants class number 4, and I've entitled our Bible study, Vital Elements for Effective Spiritual Service. Really important things we're going to learn from Peter today, because so far we've covered three different angles of spiritual service, very important for you to grasp in order to serve in this church, in order to be more effective outside of the church, or any church for that matter. The first week we learned about how God uses ordinary people. And that's good news because we're all very ordinary and God will use us no matter what our background is, where we've come from, what he's cleaning up in our lives, he's gonna use us. He doesn't use perfect people, they don't exist, only imperfect people like you and like me. And God uses us. Secondly, we learned it was very important to have your shepherd and pastor's heart. And we were careful to define that, not as the pastor of your church, but as the pastor, Jesus. He is the shepherd of the church. Even today, we will learn in 1 Peter 5 that he's referred to as the chief shepherd. It's important if you're going to serve alongside of him that you share his heart that you see things the way that he sees things, that you care the way he cares. And then last time we were together, we learned how important it is to be like-minded with your pastor of your local church and with the leaders that God has put over your life. Like-mindedness moves us forward. We don't move forward divisively or with our own agendas. Today, we want to learn from Peter what it looks like practically to have a deep, an accurate servant mentality, things that will help us serve wiser in a more appropriate way that will help us be more in the spirit, less in the flesh. And the first thing is just to see serving as a privilege. It is a privilege to serve God. It's a stewardship that's been entrusted to us. The, the church belongs to him. The people you're sitting around today next to, in front of, behind, they belong to God. He bought them with his own blood. And if there are those among us today that don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus Christ is available to you today for the forgiveness of your sins. You, you belong to him. You were born in his image. And when serving God and serving his people is no longer viewed as a privilege, this is where man begins to corrupt it and where big mistakes take place. <clears throat> when you think that you deserve to serve, when you think you're entitled to serve, when you think that you come with all of this and it's like, well, you know where I went to school and you know what I've done, and you know what I did in my last church and all of those thoughts instead of, here I am, God, I wanna serve you. I, I wanna be used by you in the ministry, when you fail to see that, when you start thinking, talking about what you deserve or what you've earned, spiritual leadership just gets thrown right out the window and it gets corrupted and ultimately people get hurt. Jot it down in Psalm 75 in verse six. It's an important principle 
when it comes to serving in the church. Psalm 75 and verse 6 says, For exaltation comes neither from the east nor from the west or from the south, but God is the judge. He puts down one and he exalts another. We trust that God will put us in the right place at the right time. We trust that it's his church as we present ourselves to him. He'll make sure that we line up exactly where our gifts fit and he will lead us and guide us. When you think of this, I, I look at this and I say, well, one side is very encouraging and one side could be very difficult. Everybody tends to be super excited when they're exalted or put into a new position or stepping into something fresh. When, when they're given new responsibility, you say, yes, Lord, this is wonderful. This is great. Not everybody likes the other part when he puts down because seasons do come to an end and fresh new things do need to start especially within the church where it's like, like you, get, you get to the place where, you know, I think we need to make a change or I think we need to new, go in a new direction. And if you're not careful, you won't receive that as from the Lord, just like you received it the first time when you were put into a position. You also have to re realize that moving on from a position is just as much from the Lord. Why? Because it's a privilege to serve him. It doesn't really matter where we serve. Wherever God has us, that's where we want to be. So pick up with me now in verse 1 of chapter 5 in 1 Peter. The elders who are among you I exhort, I, who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by constraint, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Peter, writing as a pastor here, he comes in verse 1 as he's winding his letter down and he addresses the elders. The elders are the leadership of a church. We often refer to elders here as pastors. They are God's appointed leaders in the church. And he comes to them and he addresses the leaders of the church. Notice that he addresses them as a fellow elder. He doesn't come to them laying some heavy power trip on them. He doesn't come to them trying to assert his authority. He comes to them and says, what I'm about to share with you is so important, but I'm one of you. I'm a fellow elder. This is Peter, the apostle. He could have, he could have come with his title. He could have come and said, I'm, the pa I'm Peter, the apostle. Don't you understand? But he doesn't because he takes the place of relationship. It's not, it's not just transactional in what he's going to say right now. It's first relational. This is also very important for some of you that have come from a Roman Catholic background to notice that what Peter does here, he doesn't assert himself as the Pope. The Pope position didn't even exist at this time. It didn't come for a few hundred years later. He doesn't come and say, I am the chief of the church. Everybody listen to me. I'm the only, the, the, the position of the Pope, you realize, is a man-made position. It's not a God-made position. So Peter isn't the first pope. He, he, he would never took that position. As a matter of fact, he took the position of a fellow elder. 
He took the position of, I'm, I'm a servant just like anyone else. I do have, Peter would say, authority, and I do have an exhortation for you, but I do so coming alongside of you. It brings up another important point when it comes to church government, because there are various ways churches today are governed because the Bible doesn't say exactly, doesn't give an exact instruction on how the church should be overseen. So there's a few different, maybe two to three different biblical forms of church government that exist. And and as, as a result, a lot of people like to argue about what's the best church government. Now let me say, let me say this very clearly about this debate, that unless the form of government is wholeheartedly unbiblical, the fights and disagreements are just a waste of time. Unless it's completely, like when you look to the scripture and go, that is, can't be ever, you can't do it that way, then arguing about it just is a waste of time. And I find, let me be careful with my words here because I don't want to be misunderstood. I find that the form of government within a church is not as important as the character and the integrity of those that are filling the positions. Now, I'm not saying, I don't think church government is, is not important. I'm not saying that, that finding the, 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 the form of government closest to Scripture that we can is not important. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, if it's a biblical form of church government, the most important part of it is the character and the integrity of the men and women that are holding those positions within the church. If you don't have character and integrity, then you will be a bad leader. And you will be a bad servant of the Lord. I mean, even as we're in the servants class and you're starting to think about filling out your ministry application, you're starting to think about serving in this church, you need to understand that you must be a man or a woman of character with integrity. If you are not a man or woman of character and integrity, we don't want you to serve here. Now you go, Ev, what do you mean? Well, let me say, you know your character and integrity way better than we do. I mean, we're going to do our due diligence. We're going to run background checks. We're going to call your references. We're going to talk to people that know you. But you know yourself better than we do. And so if you don't have character and you're not a man or a woman of integrity, we don't want you serving in this church. And I would even go, you know, at these times I'd say, well, just go somewhere else and serve. I don't even want you going anywhere else to serve. I mean, the real, the real issue, I mean, the real issue is this. If you know, if you know this about yourself, that there are areas in your life to deal with, then deal with them. Repent. Why? Because you're taking care of the flock of God. People can get hurt. People will get hurt if you're going to get involved and go, well, you know, I'll sign up, but they'll never know. They'll never find out. No, no, if you're a shady character, we'll find out. But it's better to find out before people get hurt. And it's better to find out before people's lives could be destroyed because you decided that you were going to try to deceive the leadership of your church. And you decided that you weren't going to deal with something that you knew was going to blow up later on. And you decided that, oh, they'll never find out. Listen, the Bible says there is nothing hidden that won't be found out. And why not just deal with it? Why not just get real with the Lord before you ever step in so that we can enjoy serving alongside of you and you'll be used in great capacities. You must be a man or a woman of integrity and character. And let's face it, you know better than we do. 
Positions in the church are not designed for people. People are developed for positions. Do you realize when you're serving here that part of the service will be your own discipleship? And I want to be careful. We, we're not talking about perfect people here. It's like, well, I guess, Ed, what you're asking for is I need to be perfect. And that's not what I said. I'm not saying you need to be perfect because none of us are. But if you don't have character and your integrity is shot, then you just don't belong serving in a church. You, you need to deal with your heart issues before God. And you'll see a lot of the things that I'm sharing in this class and in these Bible studies are things that I cannot change in you. They're heart issues. I can't. I can tell you. I might be able to be used of God to discipline or I can show you all the scriptures in the world, but I have no power to change you. And if you are unchanged right now, then you are resisting the power of the Holy Spirit. You are grieving the Holy Spirit right now if you're like, well, you know, it's not that big a deal. I mean, if you think it's not that big a deal, you should just take it to the Lord and see if he thinks it's a big deal. Because you don't want to be a person that's found out later and you hurt a lot of people along the way. We've seen our fair share here and it can be very, very painful. With that in mind, let's come to the text and learn at least eight things, eight things if you're taking notes today that will help you live a life of servanthood and leadership in God's church and help guide you and grow you as you keep your eyes on Jesus. Peter has some great exhortation for us today, things to remember. Number one, verse two, he says, shepherd the flock of God which is among you. Number one, spiritual servants and leaders are under shepherds, under shepherds. We are not the shepherd of the church. We are under shepherds because it says in verse four, there's a chief shepherd. There's one singular shepherd over the universal church. It's Jesus Christ. And he has given authority, delegated authority to men and women to oversee and lead the church on earth. But there's only one chief shepherd. You need to remember this. The church does not belong to you. It is not my church, not your church. Even though we do use that language, we, we can use that language. You might be inviting someone to your church. Hey, come to our church. Come to my church. Listen to this Bible. That, that's not, I'm not speaking about that kind of language where there is a local fellowship family that you attend. What I'm speaking of is ownership, where you begin to take ownership of something that doesn't belong to you, and the church isn't yours. It, we need to remember this is his church, his flock, his bride, and he bought you with his precious blood. That's what the Bible says. Not our church. We don't serve in our own authority, but in his delegated authority. And here's what happens. Here's what happens. Many begin to mistakenly think they are the shepherd or the overseer or their particular ministry is theirs. And it's not. And this is how it sounds sometimes. You, you may come in and talk to one of your overseers or talk to someone, maybe even talk to me. This has happened on more than one occasion where a change has had to be made and I'm the one communicating the change and the response uh, here in the sanctuary, the response in my office is, this is my ministry. Oh, really? When did it become your ministry? Because that's not how it started. So what happened along the way? That you began to take ownership of something that isn't yours to own. We have to come in with hands that are open for God to do whatever he wants in our lives. 
And I know that for most of you, this won't be an issue, but for the some that might, the Holy Spirit will put this in your heart just like it's not your ministry and it's not your church. You gotta realize this in the scope of how God, how God had this church before you ever showed up and the church will continue when you leave. Like it's his church and the church was, was existing before we were born and the church will exist after we pass away. Why? It's his church. It's not ours. We're under shepherds. Don't forget that. Number two, again, in verse two, he says, shepherd the flock of God. That's really, right? Who does the flock belong to? God. Shepherd the flock of God, which is among you. Spiritual servants and spiritual leaders, number two, are sheep. We're still sheep. And that's the language being used here by Peter. It's the same language that Jesus used in John chapter 10. It's the same language that David used in Psalm 23. We're sheep. So just because you and I have been given some role of authority or some position of servanthood doesn't mean we stop being a sheep. And I know it's simple enough, but you got to remember this. It's not like the world where you climb the ladder and then you start here and then you move here, move here, move here. And before you're up here and you're not this anymore. In the church, we're always a sheep. We'll never stop being a sheep. It doesn't matter what role we have. We are the precious sheep of his pasture, which reminds us he's our chief shepherd. And sheep are to serve sheep and to be alongside one another. You never, you never grow out of being a part of people's lives and serving among the flock. Spiritual leadership actually doesn't place you over as much as it places you under. Isn't that what Jesus said? If you want to be great in God's kingdom, what? you be the servant of all. It's a very counterintuitive way, the way the world has taught us. Jesus says, no, it's not like that at all. You want to be great? Then serve and give yourself to the service of others in my name. Number three, here's another thing to remember as we serve. Again, these are all very obvious, but let's say them out loud just for the sake of learning them. Number three, spiritual servants are servants. Spiritual leaders are servants. That's what it says here in verse two. Serving as overseers. What do overseers do? They serve. Just every role in the church is a place of servanthood, first to God, then to others, because the flock belongs to God. Jesus is our great shepherd, and he laid his life down for the sheep. It says in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. So leaders in the church ought to be the greatest servants of all. They, they ought to increase in their capacity to serve, empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's not arriving at a level and a place where you don't serve anymore, but the longer you walk with the Lord, you find that you serve more people and are used great in a greater ways by the Lord. You are first and foremost a servant, and then you can just put a period after that. There's nothing left. We serve. That's what God has entrusted to us. And I would go so far to say this. If you cannot serve, you cannot lead. If you don't know how it is to serve, then you can't lead. It's important, it's important that you grasp that. Number four, this is an important one. Still, we are still in verse two. Number four, it says, not by constraint, but willingly. Not by constraint, but willing. So number four, spiritual servants and leaders, they serve willingly. And let me just say, this is how it always starts. This is how it always starts. 
We put an opportunity out there. You feel God's showed you your spiritual gifts. And serving willingly is where it starts. You go look for the application. You fill it out. You pray over it. You listen to the required Bible studies. You do whatever is asked of you because you're willingly wanting to serve. However, this is a place that many people stumble and fall along the way as they begin to serve unwillingly. It gets hard. It gets difficult. Serving people on their worst days can be really hard. The situations that you face, the heaviness of your own life, the heaviness at work, the heaviness at church. Before you know it, you start being, becoming very upset at the people that God has called you to serve. I think of an example where you are overseeing something and you needed 20 people to serve. So you put out the word and you got 20 people to serve and you show up that day and only two people show up. And what's your response? What is wrong with this church? What's wrong with these people? Here I am. I'm the only one serving. Well, isn't that how you filled out the application? Didn't you say you wanted to serve? Yes, but I need 20 people. But, but why, why, are you, why are you so mad at the people? Like, like before you even make up your mind of being mad, maybe they have a problem. Maybe there's a death in the family. Maybe they have a flat tire. Who knows what's going on in their life? But here you've become so upset about it that you don't even have a heart to serve the people that you asked to serve alongside of you. Does that make sense? It doesn't make sense at all to me for a person to become like that. And so let me, let me say, in this church, either now or in the future, if you're serving in any ministry in this church, or any other church for that matter, as the studies go around the country, and you're feeling tired and burned out and mad all the time and upset, here's my counsel to you. Take a break. For all of us, please, take a break. We don't need you to serve that way. We'll get along without you. We do not need you to serve that way. That's not how you started. That's not how you said you wanted to start. So just take a break. and Stop hurting people and copping an attitude. It's not good to cop an attitude when you're serving Jesus. Can I get an amen for that? Are you sure about that? I had to ask for it. Like, come on. Like, it, this, is the, this, is, this is the church of Jesus Christ. And yeah, you're going to get tired. You're gonna, it's going to be hard. And maybe you need to take a break or maybe you just need to repent. And just go back to your prayer closet and remember how it started. It started willingly. It didn't start with all this attitude. Or maybe it did, and it's a character issue. You got to deal with that anyways. But like, like, so like, you, got to, you got to realize that every single one of us, let me repeat this, every single one of us is replaceable. You got to realize that. The church of Jesus Christ can go forward without us. We're not that important. God will use someone else that is willing, loving, caring to take care of his sheep. It's important that you realize because you'll get to the place where I need to take a break, but oh no, what will happen without me? What will ha I'll tell you what will happen without me. We'll be just fine. It'll be fine. The Lord will do a work or maybe we won't have that ministry anymore. I don't know what the answer is, but I do know this. It's his church. He'll give us wisdom. Take a break. 
Now, this hasn't happened, but for the sake of illustration, just take someone just uh, as vital to this church like Pastor Ian, serving with me for many years. If he came to me after service today, and he said, I need an appointment in your office, Ed, and I I just need to talk to you. And I was like, hey, let's go back. And so we go to our office. He says, you know, Ed, I'm tired. I I just need, I I need to move on. I'm done. I don't want to lead worship anymore. I'll tell you what I won't do. What I won't do is, oh, please, please don't go, Ian. We need you. We need you. We need you. I won't do that. I'll say, okay. I'll minister to him and we'll talk. I mean, it won't be so brief like on the stage here. I'll minister to him and his family and see what's going on. But, but we will be okay if Pastor Ian moved on. I'll lead worship. <laughs> don't laugh. Don't, don't clap and laugh so quickly. I think I could do it for maybe four weeks before everybody leaves, but I'll get it done in four weeks. But I don't know what we'll do. We have other people that God might raise up. We'll do YouTube videos. I mean, the, it, whatever will need, be needed, God will give it to us. It would be a bummer if that happened. I don't, I don't foresee it happening, but if it is, it's going to be a bummer. But this is the point. This, this is the point. The church existed before Ian was here. It'll exist after. The church existed before Ed was here. And if this is a real church of Jesus Christ, it will exist long after Ed's gone. And it's important that we not have our eyes on man, including ourselves. That's our biggest problem, is when we only have eyes on ourselves. And yeah, ministry will be hard, and it will be challenging, and, and there will be times. But if you need a break, you need to take a break. It is not okay. I, I, you know, pastors used to say, you'd hear this at conferences all the time, and it's just so dumb. I don't know why people say this, but I would rather rust out than burn out or burn out than rust out, whatever it is. I don't even know because I never used it. But how about this? How about just abiding in Christ and not burning out or rusting out, but just serving the Lord with joy and gladness? That's the best way to handle it. That's how we want you to serve in this church. That's what you're asking to get involved in. And it's very important that you realize that God will use us as we serve willingly. Again, if you're looking for a couple verses, 2 Corinthians 5, the love of Christ compels us. That's why we're serving, because we love Jesus. We want to be a, a vessel of his love. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul said, if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for necessity is laid upon me. And that's why we're here. And that's why we endure. And that's why God gives us hupomone. That's the Greek word for endurance to face whatever we need to face because God will give us the strength. I love what Charles Spurgeon wrote, what he taught in his young students, these future ministers of the gospel. It's in a book we recommend here. It's downstairs. It's also curriculum for our school ministry. It's called Lectures to My Students, Volume 1. In the very first lecture, Charles Spurgeon writes this. If any student in this room could be content to be a newspaper editor or a grocer or a farmer or a doctor or a lawyer or a senator or a king. In the name of heaven and earth, let him go his way. We must feel that woe is unto us if we preach not the gospel. The word of God must be unto us as a fire in our bones. Otherwise, if we undertake the ministry, we shall be unhappy in it shall be unable to bear the self-denials incident to it and shall be of little service to those among whom we minister. And that last part is very important. Although he's writing to future pastors, I think the application is very true for anyone that takes spiritual service seriously. 
If you don't count the cost, then you shall be unable to bear the self-denials incident to your service. And I want you to remember this at the very beginning. In your service here in this church, it started with you said you wanted to. And God may just have to get you back to the place where you said this is what God wants you to do. And this is a little bump in the road that God might help you get over to make you the man and woman he wants you to be because our service is part of his discipleship in our lives. Number five, number five, this is another one, very important. At the end of verse two, we're serving not by dishonest gain, but eagerly. We're eagerly wanting to honor God. So number five is spiritual servants serve honestly. That makes sense, but it needs to be said out loud that you serve honestly, not for dishonest gain. Don't sign up to serve in this church to rip people off in this church or anywhere else for that matter. It's sad to see, but it happens. Unfortunately, it's not just on TikTok. It's not just on YouTube or television or radio where televangelists have all kinds of manipulative gimmicks to take advantage of people that just want to serve God. It's not just that. It happens in churches as well. Ministry is not a place we've been taught Ministry is not a place to fleece the flock, but to feed the flock. And so the way it applies in a church setting is this. Don't sign up to serve in this church to take advantage of the people in this church. We we don't want you serving here in that capacity. Don't do it. Don't sign up to, you know, sometimes you you are taught in business or in maybe a multi-level marketing thing is that once you you sign up on this, the best audience to start with is your church. Go to your church and sell your products at church, not here. Don't do it here. Don't look at people in this church as a way for you to make a living. The people in this church belong to God and they're blood-bought. They're not to be taken advantage of. They're they're not to be seen only as a potential customer. They're seen to be served and to loved. Now, let me say this. In a relationship, as you build relationships, that's not to say that there might be some business transaction you guys choose to have. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about you having friendships and relationships and, and, and coming together. I'm talking about signing up, getting some kind of prominence, and seeing it as a big church or a lot of people here, and there's so much potential to grow your company. Not here. Did I, was, I, was that clear enough? You're like, Ed, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? I'm warning you. I don't want the people of this church to be seeing anything other than the men and women that Jesus died for. You know, people walk in this door all the time really messed up. Did you know that? You probably walked in that way. Hurting, grieving, people in this world really confused about their identity, their sexual identity, mental health crisis. They just had their spouse leave them. Their kids ran away. The last thing they need is some salesperson meeting them at the door. They need someone to love them and care for them and serve them in the name of Jesus Christ. And that's why we serve here. You've got to do so not with dishonest gain. Your motives have to be clear. They have to be clean before the Lord. He'll sort it out. He'll sort it out in your life. But you want to develop real meaningful relationships where you're not looking at what you can get from someone, but you're looking to what you can give someone. That's the key. And that's how God will use you. And so when you think of dishonest gain, it's not just for those televangelists, it's for all of us. When I approach you, I have to approach you of how can I serve you? 
not what you can do for me. And the Lord will sort out. And let me tell you too, God will take care of your business. God will take care of your finances. God will take care of your sales. God will take, God, God he, he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. And he knows your needs. And the Bible promises that he will provide for all of your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. You can trust God. But don't get into spiritual ministry here or anywhere else to take advantage of people for dishonest gain. That's what the Bible says right here. Don't do it. Number six, verse three. Not being as lords over those entrusted to you. Number six, spiritual servants and leaders serve humbly. You don't lord it over people, as that's where this phrase comes from. You don't lord your authority. You can also write next to the word lords, master. But here's a common word that will help it be very clear for you. It's don't be a boss. We, the church doesn't need more bosses. The church needs servants. And the bosses that the church has already need to go back to servanthood. So don't be a boss. And I think we've all worked for bosses that we don't want to be like. That's what, that's what Peter's saying right there. That doesn't belong in the church. Don't be a boss. Be a servant. Don't lord over your authority, even though at times you may have to use your authority to disciple or to discipline or to help somebody along the way, to exhort or encourage, but don't lord it over them. You don't have any control. You can't control the actions of others, and you can't use the Bible or the authority that God gives you in the church to control others. You can try. That's where manipulation comes in and a lot of sinful behavior, but you, you, can't, you can't even do that. It's impossible. You have to pray for people. You have to get to know them. You have to be a part of their lives. You need to listen to them when you're counseling them so you can, the Holy Spirit can lead them and guide them. So don't use your authority in a way that wouldn't honor God. You need to walk humbly. And that's one thing that'll happen. Part of the discipleship when you, when you sign up to serve in this church or any other church is God will deal with your pride very quickly. He'll deal with it as you're ministering and serving you'll understand humility is the way to go. That's the way that Jesus led us himself. A couple more before we leave. Number seven, we've already mentioned this, but it's worth repeating. He says in verse three, not being lords over those entrusted to you. Spiritual leaders and servants, we serve as stewards. Everything that we're doing, we don't deserve. It's been entrusted to us. In ancient days, a steward had complete control of his master's property, of his, uh, of, his, of his boss's property, if you will, but had no con- he, had no, he owned nothing but controlled everything. And according to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, the only thing the master was looking for was faithfulness. J- just do good with what's been handed to you. Just take care of it, basically. Just take care of what I've given to you. And I can hear that phrase from Jesus where he says, just take care of my church. That's all I'm asking you to do. Just take care of the people. Just take care of their needs. Just take care of their spiritual needs. Just point them to me. Just take care. You're stewards. They don't belong to you. All I'm asking you to do is take care of them until I return. Just take care of them. And that's where he's at. This is the essence. We're, and, and so in our church, just so you know, we're, we're not trying to build some big church here. We're not trying to build some mega ministry, some mega this or mega that to create some celebrity atmosphere. We just want to serve the Lord. Those, whether the church is larger or smaller, all depends upon the Lord. It's his church. But I'll tell you this, I think we've been taught well. And we were taught that it, to, to make our aim to have the best loved, best fed spiritually, 
best cared for sheep possible. And if we, if we can care for the sheep that we have, then God will entrust to us more to take care of. But we're not trying to build anything here. We're just trying to respond to what God is doing and to be faithful to it. Why? So that we can come and be found faithful as a steward and say, we took care of what you've asked us to take care of. Number eight, and this is the final one here in verse three, says, but being examples to the flock. Spiritual servants, spiritual leaders are examples. That is non-negotiable and there's no debate. Everyone listening to me is an example. What is debatable is this, whether you're a good example or a bad example, but you are an example. And so when you step in to serve at a church, you've got to take note of the example that you are and the example that you want to be, because you are an example. In the house of God, among leaders in any church, we must be godly men and women, men and women of character that can be seen as examples for people to follow in following Christ. Just like Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. The church must be filled with men and women that can be good examples because people are watching. People are watching our lives, just like at work. They may never tell you, but they're looking. I mean, I remember this in my own life. I, I still have examples that I look to. Where I'm just like, man, I don't know how to be a dad, and so I'm going to find a dad. And I don't know how to be a married man. I'm going to find a married couple that can help me. I'm going to go to the marriage ministry. I'm going to go to the men's retreats. I need help. And while I was a little embarrassed to ask for it, I was a good observer. And I watched the principles and the habits and the things that were needed to help me become a better man. Why? Because God uses examples in our lives. With, when it comes to sheep and the flock of God, you don't drive sheep. You lead them. You lead sheep. Sheep are not driven, as much as popular that word has become among the church in the last few years. You're not driven. We're led. You lead sheep. And examples are what go the furthest. A leader is someone who knows the way to go and goes that way, then shows the way to go. A leader is always up front. And he or she goes that way and then shows the way, then leads by personal example, a personal relationship with Christ, the practical gifting of Jesus in their life. Leaders are not perfect, so you're not going to have any perfect examples. There's always going to be flaws in our lives. But as we live together in unity and fellowship with Jesus, even watching, so you're a leader today, or even watching someone make a mistake and how they recover from that mistake is an example. Somebody that stumbles and how they recover is an example. Even if there's some kind of friction in the church and you watch someone go and they're Matthew 18, they go, if anyone's offended, you go to him and you and him alone is an example. And so your whole life, it can become a picture. And this is why it hurts so much when a prominent pastor falls into sin. Because he was an example to you. And I've been around long enough. I've even had people that I've been connected with personally that have done great damage to the church and hurt me personally. I've seen pastors commit horrific adultery that I've known personally. I've seen pastors steal thousands of dollars from the church. One guy in particular, hundreds of thousands of dollars from his church. And it's painful and it hurts. It wouldn't be painful if they were just TED talkers. 
If they just wrote a book and put it out, like if they, if, it, it wouldn't hurt so much. I mean, it would sting, I guess, but it wouldn't hurt so much. The reason why it hurts is because you look to them as an example and they failed you. But even in then, what the Lord is saying is say, okay, look, you're going to have flawed leaders and they're going to fail you, but you got to keep your eyes on the Lord. That's the key. You got to keep your eyes on the Lord and pray for them. Because even the things that were taught to you through some of these guys, they were truth of God's word. You can hold those. You can keep the truth and then pray for the fallen and that the Lord might recover them and they might, be, they might come back to the Lord. They might repent and come back to some form of usefulness. Let me give you a bonus one, number nine. Let me give you a bonus in verse uh, four. It says, when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. So here's number nine. Spiritual serving and leadership is rewarding. This is amazing to me. Just, just let this verse sink in. The chief shepherd, Jesus Christ, who bought this church with his own blood, will reward you for service. <laughs> I mean, seriously? Like, I don't deserve to serve. I know where my life was, and there is still a reward available. Like, I can hear the words, maybe one day, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the presence and the joy of your Lord. I mean, ultimately, we'll cast all those rewards down at the feet of Jesus. But to think, because here's, here's where this plays in. I mean, because this is totally amazing. So much of serving God is unseen by man. Nobody really knows what you do for the Lord. That's one of the ways the enemy can prick your heart. Like, doesn't everybody know what I do? Let me tell you ahead of time, no, we don't. But you're still important. Because your importance is not what people see. It's what you do for the chief shepherd. It's not what people see. The applause of men, you know, the accolades of men, they come and go. One day they like you, the next day they hate you. One day they're crying Hosanna, the next week they're crucifying you. You don't want to serve for men. You want to serve the Lord. Because if you serve the chief shepherd, when he comes back and appears, he's going to reward you, put a crown on your head, this laurel wreath of victory. You made it. You took well care of my flock. You were faithful in what I called you to do. And so there's a special reward, whatever that looks like, for those who lead and serve. So it's important that we grasp these things. It's important that we know them. I know some of them are hard, but they won't be hard if we avoid them. And we can just serve the Lord with joy and gladness. And God moves the church forward amazingly through people like you and me. Isn't that amazing? That's the grace of God, that he would use us. Amen? So, Father, thank you for the privilege of serving you in these days. And, and I know it's hard and challenging, and we carry a lot of burdens on our hearts. But, and, and we feel so inadequate at times, and we, we blow it, and all of it, all of the above, God. We just cast ourselves upon you, Lord. We cast our cares upon you. We thank you publicly for your faithfulness in our lives, that even when we are faithless, you remain faithful. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Church. For prayer, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. To listen to this message in its entirety or to join us for our live stream services, visit us online at calvaryco.church or download our free Calvary Church app. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.